Welcome to the Cinephile History Fifth Podcast, the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, two amazing dads, and two summertime school teachers. <laughs> I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm William Red Guardian Johnson. Oh, see, I knew you were going to take character as we speak here. Figures, figures, figures. We're damn glad to have you, folks. This is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate in the end. We encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. I'm here with the Marvel show, Will Johnson. He is fresh. He is raw. He is he is Ben Stiller walking out in the date with Cameron Diaz with semen hanging from his ear. He he is that fresh coming out of Black. Oh Blood. my God! This week, folks, we are going to talk about. And I'm just hey hey, gotta spice it up for the audience here. This week, folks, we are going to talk about Black Widow, the newest film from the MCU. It is recommended pretty much by both of us and the entire society at will. Our format is going to loosen up here a little bit because there's not a lot of. Fo- I have formed thoughts. I saw this film. Uh, a week ago for press, I, I was definitely ahead of the game. Got a nice published review on 25 Well. We'll link that in the show notes and all that. Will is coming into this thing, like I said, Ben Stiller style here. So he needs to kind of have a little bit of a <sighs> exhale while we kind of go here for a bit. So I think both of us are going to kind of go back and forth here <laughs> with a little bit of an open format to kind of put our praise, put our criticisms into the kind of place where we can have point and counterpoints in a live kind of thing. So instead of our usual five and five and 15, we're just going to put the 30 minute timer on folks and just talk. So welcome to a, you know, very open-ended, maybe double love, maybe double hate, hard to tell. I don't know what kind of Ben Stiller's walking in the door with me from Will Johnson, but we'll see what we've got. So the timer is on. (laughs) Will, do you want me to go first? Just just to kind of get things in, or do you want me to go first? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, let me just get some initial thoughts because I'm I'm so fresh. I literally just got out of the car and hooked up the equipment at my dad's house um, because uh, he was babysitting today uh, while I while I watched my my movie, uh, my stories, as they say. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sound off in general real quick, and then I'll let you kind of put some thoughts together, but. I'm going to say that this was a very unique experience. I left the theater feeling very comfy, very, um, very satisfied. Um, I was not like necessarily emotionally um, satisfied. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I think that this is very much a, um, and I don't mean this as a negative either, very mid tier mm-hmm. MCU entry. It's kind of like, you know, a, okay. you know, a, a middle comic that you would read in a, in a long run. You know, it's, it's an, ep, it's very episodic, um, very good, but I'm not going to say it's on the precipice of great. Um, but I, uh, am very satisfied with the experience. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. I, I coming out of it, I I gotta say, this is this is lower third MCU for me. Now I'll be the guy that says it. You know, like I said it last time when we talked about Iron Man three. I don't think Marvel has made a per se bad film, but they make things of just uh, a fair to middling range of quality. Where every now and then you get one that's kind of like, all right, that's that's fine, 
but nothing that's going to, you know, like, like you're kind of saying, move me to pieces. And, and I know every critic in the whole wide world has said this and I, and I can't help but agree, but this is a movie that is, I don't want to say done dirty. I'm not going to use the, the fancy terms and all this or the, you know, the cool millennial terms, but this movie is without a doubt too late. And it's, it's harder mm. to get emotional attachment and to get all kind of, you know, like you said, a middle issue of a series, but this is the, if this is the middle issue of, issue of a series, it's the one I couldn't find on the store shelf. And I made it to the, you know, the rest of the year, you know, your crossover thing. And they're like, Oh wait, what happened in September? I think I can go find that issue in the back issue shelves. And I go read it and go, Oh wow. Yeah. I guess that would have been a cool little connecting thing. Had I seen that at the time and too much of this movie on a lot of levels is hampered by that. And I was worried about that going in where I was still very disciplined. I didn't see any trailers. I, you know, I, I, but you, you kind of just know it's black widow. It's a prequel. The black widow we know is no longer with us and current in the MCU. We knew there'd be some new introduced characters, but you still get to that. I hate to say, you know, Disney star Wars solo situation, but you have a bit of a foregone conclusion mm. situation because you you know Natasha's going to make it every single step of the way. There's some very compelling and very well done action scenes and all that, but I think that there you have the moment where, since you know the title character is going to make it, it comes down to well, who else is here and who else will make it or won't. And just to jump into spoil, uh, we could kind of jump into spoilers. It yeah, let's do it. Everybody makes it. Yeah, I mean everybody makes it, and that's kind of weak sauce to me. And the other part mm. of weak sauce is, you know, this woman is a killer. This woman has a very dark past. And we get whispers and hints of it and no teeth to it. And I found that just to be like, if you're going to come back here and tell this story and and go through the the dark tale of what it takes to create these women and you just kind of give me the child kidnapping angle and a quick montage to a really good cover of Nirvana to kind of, you know, just dangle little hints of what could have happened to these women. You know, I'm not saying you need on-screen hysterectomies and things like that, because we all heard mm -hmm. all those stories, but, but it still feels like weak sauce. And that's a Disney movie for mm -hmm. you. That's the PG 13 ness of it. And I, and I know because of the brand, they were never going to go there, but if you're going to make a black widow, so the movie, have some balls to go there and I, it just doesn't. And by the time David Harbour's cracking jokes every four seconds, it, it just, it lands a week for me. Go ahead. My bad. See, I see, I kind of, I kind of agree with you, but I kind of don't. Um, the reason why I, okay. I'm going to go back to your comic book analogy. Um, mm -hmm. The MCU at this point is essentially a universe. And at this point, I think there is that ability to, in a storytelling sense, go back a couple months in the issues and fill in some gaps. So I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, when, when you say it's too late, there's months. And I think we should have years. A, this one's years. Well, I think we should have. I think we should have had a Black Widow movie like years ago. I agree with that. I oh, think yeah. it's late in that regard. As for being delayed a number of times, there's nothing that could have been done about that. I don't think. No, um, totally agree. Totally but, agree. I don't think for the character, for, for Natasha, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, what, what, you're, what you're highlighting as them backing off, 
I mm-hmm. see it as yes, it's not visceral and dirty and dark. But I think the point was by introducing this family, uh, you had Alexi sure. by played by David Harbour. You had mm-hmm. um is it Yelena played by uh Florence yeah. Pugh? And then I can't Florence remember Pugh. yeah. I can't remember uh Rachel Weiss's character, but what I like about it is it, it kind of plays on the idea of what happens to those that do get left behind. Like Scar- um, I almost said Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch. Uh, Black Widow or Natasha <laughs> is someone who got out and did happen to get that lucky that lucky card, you know, she did have to pay her dues and do some dark things. But by the time we know her in this timeline, by the time of civil war, she's, she's very um, established. She's a superstar in the world. You know, people call her a hero. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like the idea of showing the people that aren't that lucky. You have this guy who was supposed to be captain America for Russia and just became kind of a joke and a, and a lost soul. You had, this woman who was, you know, basically being gaslighted against her will for decades uh, by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, this, the big bad who I, I, I don't think is that great in this movie, but that's another story. Um, right. And right, then right. you have, you have Yelena who also was a victim of that as, and then you have Taskmaster, the big, the kind of twist of this movie for the spoilers is, you know, Taskmaster ended up being, um, the main bad guy's daughter that uh, you know Natasha thought she had killed yeah, yeah. when she was a little kid, which that was a little dark, but mm-hmm. that she survived was a little bit of a pulled punch. I get that, yeah. but i i like the I like the remnants of a life left behind. Like this is the one who got away, but there was there are ghosts of the past, mm-hmm. and I think if if Avengers Endgame I'll, I'll was t- Natasha's, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say if if Avengers Endgame is Natasha's character, no, arc, keep going hitting the family, the, the family thing. Um, this is her mm-hmm. confronting her, her past. Um, maybe not as effectively as we would like, but it's still, I think, yeah. uh, her, her, uh, uh, adjusting to the ghosts of her past. And I, and I, I actually enjoyed that sure. angle quite a bit. No, no, I, I don't think I have any problem with the angle other than, than the visceralness. I, I, I won't, I definitely will. Mm -hmm. I mean, had we gotten this movie in between Civil War and Infinity War when it likely would have been slotted, I still might have called this a little bit more of, you know, I still probably would have been shaking the flag and, you know, the pitchfork for for visceralness because I'm one of those people who think Civil War wasn't visceral enough either. And if you were to follow the Mm. pulled punches of Civil War with the pulled punches of this, I'd be like, all right, now we're getting a pattern here of just a lot of dancing around for the sake of looking cool. And I, in my review, I call all that. I, I admit, I call all that more posing than punch. And these, and I, you know, there's that hilarious little exchange where uh, Yelena is teasing Natasha for her little superhero landing pose, which feels like a daredevil or a, a Deadpool joke in a different movie. But, you know, and, and it's, but it's true because we have a lot of, we have a lot more posing than punch. And, you know, the gag becomes later when Yelena, you know, lands in the same position and she finds herself self-embarrassed by the fact that she just did the same move her, you know, quote unquote sister did. And, you know, it, it, you know, it creates a kind of programmed audience laugh at the same time. But, um, yeah, I just, 
uh, like I don't have a problem with the arc. Um, I it, it's still the, the number one thing is timing. You know, because this is years late. This is just it's a little trickier to pull that off. You know, if, if, if a flashback, you, you actually you brought up in your flub, you brought up kind of the example of where it would be different, and that's like Scarlet Witch, like you know, WandaVision, I know this, you know, format of television and nine episodes and definitely some room to play with there. And you get flashbacks there, but you get the flashbacks in fresh off the moment of Endgame, fresh off the moment of where she's been and, you know, the dealing with the, you know, with the grief angle and the flashbacks to origins are mixed in there and they're mixed in there to deal with the present in, in a unique way. And there's no present for this movie. And that's where... Yeah this becomes the prequel thing. And I'm like, ah, there's, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll talk about the prequel thing in a minute, but I did want to mention that. I'm glad you mentioned the television series because as everyone knows, well, maybe they don't know, but because of the pandemic, this was supposed to be the first piece of uh, phase four for the MCU. But as a result, it's now the fourth mm-hmm. part of the MCU. And the thing is, is that Marvel has been nailing the television format so much. And like you said, oh yeah, you have that extended ability to flesh out characters more. I think that mm-hmm. there is having three Disney Plus series in a row and having two years without a movie does kind of affect the way you view this story. Because when I was watching the That's film, I, w- I was like... Oh, they cut a little corner there, not as a bad thing, but then I forgot, oh yeah, I'm watching a film. Mm-hmm. I'm not watching six to nine hours of television. Um right, right. so I think I think a lot of that Marvel crossbreeding hit me a little mm-hmm. bit when I watched the film. I, I want to talk about the concept of expect, expectations, though. We've talked about this Ooh, in our Joker see, episode. You know, I'm a guy who, yeah. No, I I see I'm gonna come at it from a different angle that than you're thinking. Okay. Um I did the same thing you did. I avoided trailers for this. I, I followed your lead, even though it's Marvel. I wanted, I wanted to avoid it because the last thing I needed was two years of buildup for something. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I think right. that would have killed it. Here, here is the deal. Expectation still plays a part in two different ways here, in my opinion. One, mm-hmm. people are expecting this movie, whether they were they're waiting for it for two years or one month or whatever. People are expecting this movie to be a swan song to Black Widow. Um, I actually mm. don't think that's the case. I actually, when I was watching this movie, I, 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 I have the, I have the feeling she'll be back. I actually expected when it faded to black at the end that it would say Black Widow will, will return. Um, I get the mm. idea that there's an open-endedness to this story because there's a lot of story to fill with Black Widow. I mean, basically, they kind of show what happened after Civil War and then how she ended up getting the Quinjet and how she's going to hook up with Captain America. And, you know, they were basically on the run for mm. a few years. I, I'm, I'm not sure they'll That's ever right. get – I'm not sure they'll ever get, like, Chris Evans back and do a whole thing like that. But Not a chance. Yeah. But I, I do feel that the story is still – open-ended it's almost like a it's almost like you said finding back issues to a comic and filling in some gaps so when i was watching it i i tried to get that out of my mind that this is the swan song because yeah if you view this movie if the expectation is that this is going to be your swan song to black widow you're definitely going to be disappointed because to me Mm -hmm. this film is is action action and posing first 
and emotions second. Mm-hmm. Um, the film the I film agree. suffers a li- the film suffers a little bit from what happened in phase one of the MCU, which was you have to kind of flesh out some characters at the expense of having a good villain. Um, this was a very I phase one villain. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I so, love Ray Winstone it, as an actor, but oh, this sure, is a spot sure. where. Yeah, but this is a spot where it's Ray Winstone playing Ray Winstone. You know, like it's the gravelly voices, the tough guy talk. It's, you know, obviously 27 F words less than The Departed, but we're not getting very far away from (laughs) Ray Winstone playing Ray Winstone. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that there are some some issues here, uh, but I also think. Yeah, you have to take that expect anyone who's listening to this for some reason, even though they haven't watched it. You have to take the expectation mm. out that this is Black Widow's swan song because that's just not how this story yeah, works. I, it I, is not a swan song sure. story. Sure, no, I, I even as a guy who avoided trailers, I knew this couldn't be that at all. You know, in the you know the, I'm going to put the little halfway bell here just so we know. All right, so they're 15 minutes down, 15 cool. minutes to go. So, no, I did definitely right. did not have the expectation of any kind of swan song. I was expecting, you know, origin fill-ins and things like that. And once you have Florence Pugh in here, uh, Pugh in here, I kind of had, I knew you'd get a torch passing, and that's all well and good. And I think that's the part that's going to continue because she steals this movie for sure. She has a more interesting oh, yeah. assassin character. She has, um, you know, a compelling. She has more of the compelling origin story going on with the whole Ohio sequence that opens the film than Natasha does. And obviously she's still around mm-hmm. to be the springboard to go further. And if that's who continues on, that's fantastic. And mission accomplished in terms of doing that, even if it still is in a way, a few years late, if you were to bring back Natasha, you undercut a huge emotional part of Endgame, And I don't think they're dumb enough to do that. I don't, don't get me wrong. No one stays dead in the comics and, and Marvel at some point we'll find a place to have people come back to life, but that's you, you can't touch be, because of Endgame being what Endgame was. You, you can't, you can't touch Tony and you can't touch Natasha. You just in, in half of Gamora. So you just can't, you do that. You're going to start undercutting things that people were going to call you to the carpet. Oh, I don't for. think that'll happen. I, I, I'm I, hoping. I, I th- no, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, before, Unfortunately, since I follow a lot of Marvel stuff, um, uh, I mm-hmm. also knew that you know Florence Pugh wasn't going to die because she's been on the set of the Hawkeye show. Oh yeah, uh, which ties in directly to exactly yeah, obviously the end credit sequence, which I was the only one who cheered. Everyone else booed in my theater because uh, I guess everyone hates Hawkeye except <laughs> me. Um, but um, so I knew she was going to survive. But I wanted to ask you. Here's a good question. Um, you okay. and I talked about this. I. Uh, off air there's a couple things you said you kind of don't like prequels in general because the stakes are lower but you also said that this, you were worried this was going to be the you said you also said this was going to be maybe the solo of marvel um i think we can uh-huh. safely say it's not the solo of marvel there is not a lot of i agree with that yeah th- there is really not a lot of fan service you like oh your name is han so yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like there's yeah. none of that. Well, it's garbage. also so, yeah, and it's also a character that had 
that had less it's a supporting character getting a getting a solo movie which is wonderful and you're you're not recasting anything scarlett johansson still looks young enough we still get three ass shots of her so we know it's still her stuff like that so you know <laughs> it's not rein, it's not there it's not reinventing the wheel for the sake of a cash grab where you have you're recasting a legend there's no recasting here which it was one of solo's biggest things yeah. is you just you know, if you were to do a Lando Calrissian origin story solo movie, so to speak, that's more interesting because we we get nothing out of Lando other than Cloud City and some stories about Han Solo. We mm-hmm. all know Han Solo to death. He needs no introduction. Black Widow isn't right. one isn't a headliner the way everyone else is. She could use a little backstory, and this fits good. So yes, I agree. This definitely did not turn into Solo. Okay, so here's the thing about prequels. I, I think with you know, we always kind of we always kind of say like stuff is a foregone conclusion. We I think we mm-hmm. can agree that ninety five percent of all media is a foregone conclusion. When you're watching a Captain America movie, it's likely Captain sure. America's not going to die, right? Okay, what is to me? Yeah, I wanted to ask you this. There's, there's a tipping point there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think when there's you watch a tipping TV point shows, where there's you some kind of going to make it. Sure. Well, yeah, but there's still a tipping point of chance. And it's enough of one to be to go from foreground conclusion to at least maybe because, yeah, you know, good will win and evil will lose and and you know, and heroes can be heroes. But there's always enough maybe right. that when the snap happens in Infinity War and people start getting dusted, you stand up and and you still you st- are shocked, even though you know that the movie is a split movie and you're going to get Endgame and there's a really good chance everyone's coming back in the moment that maybe really turns into something that sticks. Whereas everything else is very foregone conclusion. So I, I'm yes, there Let's it, talk. it's that difference between I, like 50 and 20%. Like, you know, 50% is that 50, 50 chance. You, you never know a hero can make it a hero cannot. when it's 20%, 80 and 80% where you're like, ah, eh, yeah, this is getting really easy here. So there's just it's well, that it's that grain of salt, that doubt, whatever you want to call it. Okay, fair enough. I I I guess with Black Widow, I was more on my emotional journey with Natasha, filling in the gaps that I didn't mind that. Um, yeah, but I, let's let's talk about two prequels that are pretty big in people's minds, and I wanted to get your take on it. First, you have okay. episode one, The Phantom Menace. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is arguably the greatest scene in The Phantom Menace? Like, what, is, what does everyone remember about episode one? Oh, God. The it's, Dar- it's the Darth Maul fight scene at the end. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the double bladed lightsaber, this awesome villain who comes in and it becomes a formative moment for Obi Wan Kenobi more than it does for Anakin Skywalker. It's either that or the podcast or the pod racing, you know? No, so what I'm saying is, is that the best part of that film is technically a foregone conclusion, but it still has excitement to it. We know Obi Wan Kenobi is going to survive. You have, yeah, but you there's you don't know if Qui Gon Jinn's going to make it. You don't. That's true. Now, obviously, he's not there in the future, and you don't know what Darth if Darth Maul is going to make it. Is he our big heavy for three movies? Like, there's two thirds of the roster of that fight is still doubt. So, I see. Oh, no, no, I see. No, okay, no. that's where I wanted to get yeah. your take on that because that's kind of. Yeah. But I still get excited watching that scene, even though I know Obi Wan's going to make it. Oh sure, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I still. Oh no, me too. Me too. It doesn't bother me. And there was, there was actually scenes yeah. in Black Widow as well where, especially towards the end when she's flying in the sky, where I was actually still nervous, mm-hmm. even though. Oh, I know she's going to make it. Good. There is legit good stunt work. There is legit good fight choreography in this movie. Uh, I want to even say, I think I even said in my review, second best fight choreography to Black Panther, in my opinion, at MCU. Like, there's some legit good fights. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. We'll have to talk about that at another time. Black Panther, huh? Is yeah, your favorite. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, okay. for, for fight right. choreography. For fight choreography. Did you notice, did you notice, and Blackwood, I'm going to sidebar here for a second. Did you notice that... Mm-hmm. Since Taskmaster's ability is to mimic fights, did Mm -hmm. you notice that she, I'm going to call her she, was watching the Hawkeye-Black Panther fight from Civil War early in the film? I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you notice that? It comes into play, but... I thought that was... I did. Okay. I thought that was pretty cool. All right, what's your second prequel? Nice little note. Godfather 2. I'm with you. What's your second prequel? Yeah, Good. Godfather, Godfather two. two. Well, yeah, but you go the the four. You have one character. Same. Well, there's enough death in that movie too. Where, okay, fine. Robert De Niro playing Corleone's gonna make it. Everything else that still happens in the, you know, towards your present flight. You know, when you still see the Michael storyline, all that's still being torn fresh. So, yeah. Again, two thirds. No, I'm not talking about the Michael stuff. I'm just talking about. Well, no, no, I'm not talking about the the Pacino parts because that's a Michael thing. That's a sequel Mm -hmm. part. I I meant the prequel parts. Like we know that he's eventually going to become this major crime boss. We know that he's going to. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's a it's a it's a filling in the gap story. It's giving context. Sure. Well, yeah, and I can handle that when it's well mixed with other things and. That's the fun part about mm. the Star Wars movie is there's there's you're you're introducing new things you have some new angles and some new situations and there's still some peril and some doubt because there's new stuff there. All of the Michael stuff if if all Godfather two was was young Vito, yeah, foreground conclusion. There's not much else going on in the movie other than a bunch of gap filling, and too much unfortunately of Black Widow feels like there's nothing. Other than Florence, who we all think is getting a baton passed to her, there's just there's just nothing else going forward. Mm. It's the foregone conclusions outweigh the new things. Is how I'm gonna weigh my prequels. You know, I got it. That makes sense. I do like your yeah. approach to those. It, it, it that's a very very smart slippery approach. slope, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, slippery um, slope, no doubt. Another- Another thing I was going to mention about the expectations is um, if anyone knows me and mm-hmm. my Marvel loves, my favorite characters tend to be the more street level characters. People know that I love Ant-Man. I love Hawkeye. I love Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to like the more street level stuff. And what I liked about this movie is that the stakes, except for the very like last 10 minutes where you're like, oh, he's controlling the whole world. What? Um, the, right, right. the stakes are relatively low enough, you, you know, the, the stakes are relatively low enough that this becomes kind of an action movie first. I've kind of been, I don't know if I subconsciously yeah, not prepared for this movie. movie. I'm with you there. Right. I don't know if I subconsciously prepared for this movie in the last week, but I've really kind of been binging a lot of nineties 
or 90s style action films. And I think mm-hmm. this is why this movie really gave me a nice cuddly feeling is because like the Russo brothers, when they did like Civil War and Winter Soldier and stuff, there's kind of a throwback action first quality oh, yeah. to this movie. It's a, it's, it's a very, I mean, what I, and this plays into my expectations angle. I think people expecting a superhero film um, are going mm-hmm. to be surprised by Being how action, yeah, right? how action oriented this movie is. This is a fantastic action film. Whatever it is on the emotional end, whatever you want to say on the mm-hmm. prequel end, the action in this movie is fantastic, and Agreed. a lot of it is practical, and the stunts are great. Yeah, the hard part also with with timing is. And I, I'm gonna. I can't. I can't take credit for this idea. This would be more uh, Scott Mendelson from from uh, from Forbes as a as a critic. But this movie would be a whole lot cooler if it came out when it was kind of supposed to, and before Atomic Blonde, Red Sparrow, Hannah, like the mm-hmm. female spy genre going on. Where yes, you 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 take the superhero level labels and costumes of this and you bring it down in stakes to where this movie is as just an espionage and action movie that'd be great if you know and, and the gaslighting and and the female driven you know angst and angles and the shattered family all that would be great if we hadn't already seen atomic blonde Red yes Sparrow, and 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 that's where another place where this movie and those movies, you know, unfortunately or fortunately or unfortunately, depends on where you're coming from. Those movies go a whole lot harder than this one. And maybe that's also what makes this movie seem soft is you can go watch Charlize Theron kick all kinds of ass or, you know, Jennifer Lawrence do the same thing in a story that just goes harder for the same exact angles that could easily have been done good here. I do think if this was a 90s movie, like if this was a you know, pre-Blade, you know, like if this was a legit 90s movie, I think we would have gotten a an R-rated ass-kicking affair where sure. we would still have, we, the visceralness would be there because that was the 90s for you. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean more of a, in a visual way. And the fact that it's kind of a throwback. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of cars being destroyed in this film. There's a lot yeah. of wire work and stunt stuff. There's a lot of people flying and falling off of buildings and stuff. So I, I really dig mm-hmm. that. Um like I said, I mean, of course, there's going to be a lot of CGI and stuff. That, that's It's a Marvel movie. But I, I do like when these street-level films on the Marvel end, mm-hmm. your your Winter Soldiers, your Civil Wars, your Ant-Mans, your Hawkeyes right. and stuff like that, they they tend to be a little bit more visceral. And I agree um, with that. You know, people, people complain that Marvel is all CGI, which really pisses me off because there is a, a wide variety of films and genre types that this that the MCU participates in. And that's why I really liked Black Widow in the end is because it actually is an action film. And I I dig that. It's it's um mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's just it's just it's it's comfort food. It it really feels good. The the last thing okay. I'll, I'll I'll say on this cuz I know the timing's getting a little low but what yeah, I do like about what what I do like about this film uh one you know I like Captain Marvel. I don't love it. I think it's one of the weaker entries. Uh, the reason why I'm not a huge Captain Marvel fan is the movie, not the character, is because I think that mm-hmm. there's a lot of tonal problems with the film. And I do think that they do kind of 
force this concept of the, you know, go girl, uh, you know, female empowerment angle. You know, they have that whole montage in mm-hmm. Captain Marvel where she's, she picks herself and dusts herself off, you know? Yeah. It, Love it felt, that montage. It, it's, it's, it's a great montage, but thematically and emotionally, it feels a little forced. I think what Ooh, I like see, about I this earned, film earned in a half. The, I love that part. Yeah, no, no, it's it's a well done sequence. I don't agree with its tone, but we can talk about that another mm. day. But my point, my point is, yeah. I guess, is what I love about this film's existence right now in in culture today mm-hmm. is that we have a massive blockbuster coming out with three amazing female leads. A female, mm-hmm. a female director. It's unapolog- unapologetically kick-ass and actiony, but it doesn't bring attention to itself on any of those fronts. This is what movies. Sh- this is what movies should be. They should be diverse, equal, feminine, without it being an actual issue. The fact that we have a blockbuster film with all of those qualities and it's not a story is I think awesome. And that really impresses me. And that's another reason why this, this film made me feel really good is because we're we're finally getting to the point. I mean, you had female directors on Falcon and the winter soldier, Loki, and now Mm -hmm. uh, Captain Marvel was a a duo with a male and a female. And then of course, right. You had this one and then Nia DaCosta is going to be doing the Marvels. Yeah. So I like that this is becoming normal. And what I like about the film, like I said, we can disagree or agree on Captain Marvel's tone and it's um, how it approached, you know, female empowerment. But I like that this film has badass female characters without having to bring attention to itself with that. Um, it, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it's checking any boxes, you know? No, I agree. And I tell you what, that is the perfect note to end this show on because, yeah, that this movie, late or not, or or weak or not, it does nail that, and, and, it, and it speaks for what it represents, and that is fantastic. So I tell you what, hit us with the outro, Bill. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, I'm going to need you guys to follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fits. It's mostly me handling Twitter. That's why you'll hear a lot of crazy things that Don doesn't agree with uh, on there, but, uh, but also follow us on Facebook at cinephile hissy fits podcast. Also find both of us on letterboxd. Um, I am starting to do a lot of um, lists, which you'll find very fun uh, that you'll find plenty of argument with and will be the influence on future episodes. So keep an eye on that letterboxd. I'll be releasing some new lists in the next couple days. Maybe just maybe, no, we won't. I'm reading the script. Yeah, can you tell? I'm a great actor. Uh, we're not. We're not going to post a poll because we didn't really have a fight on this one. Um, nah. Anyway, thank you. So, thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25YL media podcast. It is brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. If you enjoyed this show, we have more where that came from with interesting hosts and confirmed confirmed now we can say because mm-hmm. we'll be recording with our first wonderful guest later this week even though when you listen to this episode 
it'll be after the fact. So don't think about it. It's a, as Ant-Man says in Avengers Endgame, perfectly not confusing. All available on iTunes, Spotify, perfectly anywhere not. you find your favorite shows. <laughs> well, so, well, thanks for coming okay, in fresh so, on this uh, one. No, thanks for staying up late. And uh, and and I'll also, I'm going to drop a little teaser here. Next episode we record, I will be dropping a nice special announcement. So we'll see you there. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.